Welcome to Let's Get Writing, the podcast that explores the creative process of writing from books, scripts, plays, and poems to songs and blogs. This series focuses on authors, publishers, and artists. Catherine's guests share their process of writing in all its forms. Listen along to discover personal journeys behind their work, explore options from indie to traditional publishing, and learn tips and secrets to inspire you. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. I'm your host, Katherine Taylor. Season five, we are back, season five, and we've got a great show to start the season. Joining me is none other than Ellen Doyle, one of Newfoundland's favorite, Newfoundland and Labrador's favorite people. And he's had a busy summer I'm not sure actually when Alan sleeps, I've been looking at his schedule, but he has taken time to come on the show and tell us all about what he's been doing over in PEI with Telltale Harbor. And listen up folks, it's coming to the rock. You wanna know all about this. So let's welcome Alan to the show and bring him up here. Here he comes. Hi Alan, how are you? How's it going? Thanks so much for having me on, appreciate it. Oh, look, it's a pleasure. And I've always enjoyed your music, your energy, everything you do, and uh, your writing. As you probably heard, the show does focus on writing and yeah. people who write. And who better than you? You write music, you <laughs> write books, and yeah. now you've been helping to write a musical. So, yeah, it's been great fun. It's, it, it's, it's, it, the whole thing came to me in, uh, in early 2018 when. Adam over here at the Confed Center in Charlottetown had the cool idea to adapt the screenplay uh, that most of us know as a, a movie called The Grand Seduction, which started as a, a Quebec, Quebec French uh, production. Uh, and Adam's idea was to make a staged musical comedy about, uh, about The Grand Seduction. And, and uh, they came to me in 2018 about writing songs for it. And I was delighted to try that. So. And then over the next year or so, I became part of the creative team and, uh, and then fell in love with the character of Frank. And, and when they asked me if I would consider playing uh, the lead role, I, I, I secretly confessed <laughs> that I'd been hoping they would ask me <laughs> and, uh, and off we go. Yeah. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, as a writing project, it's been one of the most um, satisfying and challenging things that can, because there's so many departments, you know, and so many uh, lenses that people will that will see it through. But, you know, it just needs to have so many different things working in concert that it's been uh, challenging and fulfilling and, and it's been a, a wonderful summer so far. Well, you know what it finishes in a couple of weeks, doesn't it, over there? And then you, you yeah. head back to the rock. But yeah. back to your point about writing it. I mean, you, you've been writing songs for years and performing and writing books, like how, how was this different for you? You said it was challenging and what made yeah. you feel like that? Well, the, the most challenging part about it is that, you know, any, any you know, kind of performative piece of theater, you, you know, especially musical theater has a few columns of, you know, of, uh, of writing, right? Like someone's writing songs and, and someone's writing dialogue and someone's writing story. And then someone's trying to imagine how all that will be lit and staged and 
what costumes go on people and what the band below you will play and and all those different departments who are often occupied by similar people like you know i was in two or three of those departments and then all of those departments have to progress um together you know so like um it's not you're not serving any great function to get way ahead in the song department if the story department's not with you because they may want you to change something and then the same with you know the staging of a play of like ours might determine that you know a lyric in verse three of the song you wrote about going left well we can't go left because there's a, a light there so you gotta go right so you gotta rewrite it you know and, and you're just constantly um uh adapting and constantly altering to to help the other departments advance to where you are or to try to catch up to where they are you know and like and it's it's so in that regard it's extremely collaborative writing and i think for like i mean writing most of the like the books and stuff uh the you know that can be a very solitary thing you know like uh and uh th this is the kind of the opposite it's 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 very very collaborative which i'd much rather do any day you know i'd rather co-write a song than and write a song and I would co-write my books if I could figure out a way to do it but the uh um I don't like doing it by myself and no you know so when you say yeah. that Alan I know exactly what you mean with writing a book that it is very much of a solo project and when yeah. you get the energy of another person yeah. it just can take off yeah yeah I've, I've always been that way as a songwriter you know like I you know I, I've written lots of songs on my own but I, I far prefer to sit in a room with you know one or two people and just bang out something and 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 because i find that as you're as you're doing it the other people in the room kind of become your your own audience you know and like you, you can sort of see what's working and what isn't and and uh it just it just I, quite simply put i enjoy it more like i just enjoy collaborating you know i didn't get in a band for a living to sit in my basement by myself you know <laughs> and so uh yeah, I you know the whole thing was a, a big learning experience, and uh, and I was just charmed by the company I got to keep. Yeah, and you have such a great sense of humor. I've I've listened to your books. I I have uh, you know I'm I'm walking and I'm listening to the things you say and the stories you tell about your family, uh, the characters that you create, and there's always that good Newfoundland sense of common sense and humor that that just comes through everything. Um, were you able to carry that feeling through and what you were working on with this show? Yeah, for sure. All that comes with us, you know, and especially yeah. since the story is effectively based, you know, in places like Newfoundland where uh, those small communities have to be filled with sensible, practical people or they would never survive, you know, and they also have to be filled with these colorful dreamers, you know, who, who, uh, who make up the the Friday nights of the town, you know, and and who uh, who who make the town everything. They make it things that it isn't, you know, and they they love their own backyard so much that they're almost blind to its shortcomings, you know, because as far as they're concerned, it doesn't have any, you know. And I grew up in Petty Harbor, you know, a little fishing town, and and there were so many people in my young life. Who were you know adults who just swore uh, that there was nothing better than Petty Harbor anywhere in the world, and like that it was not only a, a a great little fishing town, it was the best town. And then like whoever drove the forklift 
in Petty Harbor was the best forklift driver in the world. And like the, you know, and the hockey player, uh, you know, who didn't make it to the NHL from there, there must've been some kind of conspiracy because clearly he should be in the NHL because he's the greatest hockey player in the world. And the, and the, it, it, it almost to a point of blindness, uh, there's a passion for uh, what's around you. And I find that lovely. Like I find that charming, you know, and I, and uh, I, I didn't have a hard time uh, drawing inspiration from people like that for the character of Frank that I play in Telltale Harbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great inspiration right there. And what you say is so true. You know, living in Newfoundland myself, <clears throat> when people come to to visit, like they say, what what do you do here? I mean, what, what do you mean, what do we do here? What do we not do here? You know, we're fishing, we're hunting, we're outdoors, we're on ATVs, all of those things that, that kind of occupy us and take us into nature. But we tell stories. And telling stories is one of the things that I think we excel at. And you certainly, you certainly do. You certainly do excel at telling those stories and creating the color and the nuances and capturing the people of our province so well. Yeah, thanks for saying that. And and I think, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's above my pay grade to figure out why we're good storytellers in Newfoundland, but we are, you know, and uh, I, you know, I have my own theories about why, uh, why that is, you know, and I, I think it probably has something to do with the fact that, you know, no one's coming, you know, like I'm having traveled a lot in, around the world, and especially in the States and, and you know, the, the, the parts of the United States, for example, that people think of as small town, small town America or whatever, you know, somewhere in the middle of, you know, Illinois or something, you know, and they talk about, you know, I just, I just got to get out of this town, you know, if I could just make it out of this remote town, you know, and when I finally got to visit there touring in places, I'm just using Illinois as an example, I go like, you know, like, what are you talking about? Chicago is 120 kilometers that way. you could walk to Chicago today, like, like it's right there, like, you know, and, and to answer your question or whatever we're talking, like that notion that like, at some point in the 1950s and 60s, in, you know, somewhere in the middle of Illinois, I guarantee you some Saturday night in the summer, Dean Martin went through on a bus and sang a song for people or told stories. And, but I guarantee you in the mid fifties and sixties, nobody drove through Petty Harbor on a bus to sing songs for people <laughs> or tell stories. They had to do it themselves. Like there was just, there, there's, you know, it's, it's what I call my, there's nobody coming theory, you know? And like, they're not coming, it's us, that's it. And so we have to make our own stories and we have to make our own songs and we have to do our own dances and cook our own food. And because there's no, we're an island in the middle of the ocean. So the, uh, and, you know, I think that's less true for the internet and connected to the age that we find ourselves in now, but it was definitely true for my mother and father. And if I'm off by a generation, it was absolutely true for my grandparents, you know? So uh, we're not that far away from a time when all of our entertainment was homemade. And, and so there grew storytellers and there grew guitar players and singers and dancers and, and because we needed it. Yeah, we needed it to keep keep us going. And, you know, my grandmother came from Change Island, so very oh. much the same thing, out of isolation and without much. I'm still amazed sometimes when I think, and I was checking back in on your, your books again, just how little your family had or how little yeah. maybe times all of us had. 
Uh, yeah, we didn't. We weren't aware of it. We thought yeah. we had the world by the tail. We were, we were blessed. We were blessed, you know, as you know, in Petty Harbor when I was born in, in the last sort of breaths of the 1960s. And, you know, so I was like 10, you know, in the late 1970s. And, and, and the it never occurred to me to compare what I had to what someone might have had in Toronto or Ottawa or New York or whatever, because how would I ever compare? It never even occurred to me to compare what I had in Petty Harbor to what people had in Mount Pearl. Like, oh. you know, because how would I do that? You know, I never got there. We didn't have a car. You know, I was in Petty Harbor and that was it. So, and <laughs> we were no worse off really than anybody else in Petty Harbor. So it just felt normal and it was like, fine, you know. Oh. Like, yeah, and I wasn't cold, you know, necessarily or hungry or, and we had, we didn't have a car or, you know, anything like that, but we, we had an accordion and a piano. Sure. Well, what else do you want? There you go. There you go. <laughs> what else do you want? Yeah. And so Alan, I know your family was, you, you were particularly close to your family and, and do you feel those roots have helped like keep you grounded? Because look where you've gone. I mean, at one point, uh, I think you had said you either wanted to be a rock star or I think it was a goalie in the NHL. Well, honestly, I'm sure the NHL are just wishing we had chosen them because yeah. look what you did with the other career. <laughs> you know? And yeah. and so, you know, how do you how do you keep you you seem very grounded and just just Dallin? I feel like I know oh. you, you know, and yet you're all over the world. Yeah. Ooh. No, I've been really lucky, you know, and and um, I suppose um, I think one of the things that has always helped me in that regard is that the I just honestly love the work, right? You know, like the, I didn't, I didn't get in a band, you know, to be famous, you know, I, 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 and I don't mean to say that I don't like, you know, the trappings of being famous or, you know, being, because I, I do, you know, I, I, I do like it, but it's like, I, I actually got in a band because I like playing music, mm -hmm. right? I like working on films and television and, because I like working with other artists and actors and writers and, and the work is what's, I mean, there, there's, I enjoy a lot of the other stuff too. I like the travel and I like the, you know, I like when, you know, we do something that makes money. I like doing that too, you know, but what I actually love the most is the work, right? I like doing, you know, someone once asked me, you know, like, you know, I notice you play like a hundred concerts a year. Like what's, what's your end game here? Like, what's, you know, what are you, what are you doing? Why, why are you playing a hundred gigs a year? Like, what are you trying to get to? And I was like, to try to get to play a hundred gigs next year. That's, mm -hmm. that's the journey is the destination, you know, like that's it, you know, I was like, this is it, man. It's like, I don't, you know, and I think, I think if that's where you come from, mm -hmm. I heard somebody say one time that if you love the work, then the work will save you. And the work will be all you ever need. And I believe that's true. And I felt that way when, you know, I was making 50 bucks a week playing the Rose and Thistle, you know, and I felt that way, you know, this morning, you know, and, and uh, I felt I've met enough people, even in my own family, you know, uh, who uh, have spent their life in the arts and in bands and music. And I think because they all, did it semi-professionally or uh, or 
not professionally at all. That I, I think I, that made me aware of how how um, how rare a, a life like mine is, and how how um, how hard it is to get to do this for a living for this long, you know, and how how special it is when if you're lucky enough to get it handed to you. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's I don't know, but that's always been the. It's always been the thing that I remember first when I wake up is how lucky I am to have to get to do this for a living. <laughs> no, no doubt about it. But you are, you have a lot of energy. You are on the go. I, and speaking of that, let's just drift back to um, the show and um, the dream team. So you kind of, that's how it was described. There's a yeah. four of you. Yeah. Um, just talk a little bit about that, how that sure. together. So Adam Brazier is the uh, creative director here at the Charlottetown Festival. So his job is to program and, and in some cases develop uh, shows for the summer season here at uh, the Charlottetown Festival, which has been doing uh, plays and musicals like Anne of Green Gables and, and Mamma Mia and uh, you know, everything else since, since the 1960s. I mean, like it's, a, it's been literally here for over 60 years now. And then, um, so Adam had the idea for Telltale Harbor, and then he his first contact for it was a guy named Bob Foster, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, Canadians will know Bob Foster as the guy who's been waving the baton in front of almost every musical in Toronto for the last twenty years. You know, like uh, including Come From Away, including Mamma Mia, and all the Mervish stuff and all the different things that have been going on in Toronto. And then I actually met Bob years ago uh, when I was very young, and he was playing in bands with Jan Arden and. Uh, he wrote a bunch of songs with uh, with Jan, and but uh, that's where, so that's the, that was the origins of the Dream Team, the two of them, and then they they contacted me in 2018 to uh, to write songs for the production, which I was delighted to get asked to do, and uh, so I wrote some, and they liked it enough to bring me on as part of the creative team, and then about a year later, when we got to the point where we needed a real, honest to God, book writer, a dialogue writer, and a and uh, a storyteller, uh, we my neighbor in, New, in right across from my street in St. John's is a man named Ed Rich, and Ed is well known in Newfoundland and across Canada for writing books like Rare Birds and screenplays. He's written everything, you know. So he came aboard, and then uh, and then when we went to do the first production of it, you know, uh, there's a couple of names uh, in the Canadian theater world who are sought after uh, as directors and 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 uh, dramaturgical. Uh, people and of course the leading you know at the top of the list is a gal named Jill Kiley and Jill has been literally just finished her 10 year uh, tenure as the director of English theater at the National Arts Center in Ottawa and she is the premier sought after director in Canada you know like and the guys you know know of her as this professional person and of course when we were chatting about possibilities I said well, I graduated high school with Jill. <laughs> and so <laughs> at a Christmas party I had at my house, I cornered Jill and begged her to come direct the show. Yeah. And so, you know, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and it was a real thrill because like you say, we graduated high school around the same time. And, and uh, you know, I went into the music world and Jill went into the theater world and our paths have crossed professionally a couple of times on smaller projects, but we've never really gotten to work on a full thing together. So this was a real, a real thrill, you know, like uh, 30 years later kind of thing to be able to, to do it together and to, to see Jill, you know, in, in her prime, you know, doing, 
it's just a blessing, you know, it's just, she's amazing, you know, and like, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so it's it, the whole, the whole dream team is just that, you know, it's just this incredible collection of people who've come together on this thing. And uh, you can feel it when you're in the, when you're in the audience. Well, I look forward to feeling it. I, I think I was one of the first to get my tickets for the Grand Falls Windsor <laughs> production. I said, I want a great seat and I want to be there. Yeah. It's going to be cool. One of the things that I'm really excited about is, is going, is taking our production into the, in, into mm-hmm. like the centers in, in, in Grand Falls, Canada, and Seaville, Cornbrook, because they're smaller, you know, than mm-hmm. the stages here or in St. John's. And our set is just going to, fill it in a really cool way and like it's going to be you know, it'll probably be one of if not the biggest production that's ever been in that theater like it's you know there's a you know you know there's a cast of 12 and there's you know there's a uh, a massive revolving spinning set and there's you know a 10-piece band and a full sound and lights crew and like it, you know it's it's a spectacle you know to see well, it was my thought was how would you take it from the Charlottetown stage and then bring it to, to venues like yeah. that? It's that in itself is going to be quite an operation to pull into town. Yeah, big time, yeah. big yeah. time. Yeah, I'm glad it's not my job. And the, uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it is what's it, it is what's happening is probably what you imagine is happening when we finish upstairs here at the Confed Center on the 24th of September. Uh, everything up there, the spinning stage, the lights the sound everything the band set up everything goes in a 45 foot truck and heads to the boat and gets unloaded in the backyard in stevenville and off we go well i hope they don't have my delay <laughs> let's hope they have it smooth sailing across and uh, yeah. well, that's going to be great we want to encourage people to you know get out there and take part in the show and support yeah them. i mean it's a great night out and you know i'm, I'm that, that's the thing i say about it all the time it's, it's a great night out people are loving it people are laughing and clapping and singing and uh you know a few tears uh, and heartfelt moments and there's a beautiful love story in it and it's really uh i'm really it's very satisfying how well received it's been so far and Ellen, the the first night, just 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 go there for a minute. The first night you you've been rehearsing, and you walked out on that stage. You've been on a lot of stages. You've done a lot of shows, but how did that one feel? Was it terrifying? Terrifying. <laughs> I didn't expect it. Absolutely <laughs> terrifying. Just like all good all good art should be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I don't mind saying it. It was terrifying. You know, like, you know, I mean, I. You know, I'd never done it before, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I was, you know, and yet my name is on the poster, you know, like, and and so, you know, the pressure of it and the, you know, the the expectations of it, especially over here, because we've been working on it over here for four years. And so the, the weight of that um, uh, was noticeable, of course, to say the least, but then it was, you know, I was buoyed up by my castmates who to, to the very, you know, to the very last one have been um, kind and generous with their time and talents, you know, to show, you know, to help me fit in, to help me learn how to do it, to, uh, you know, to uh, just, just to make it a family, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's been a, an incredible steep learning curve but on that night it was um yeah it was terrifying and uh <laughs> and i was really uh i was really glad to get through it and 
get this and go on to the second one, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I can, I can understand that there would have been a lot riding on your shoulders and yeah. a lot of expectation. Yeah. And, uh, but you know what, sometimes it's just good to shake it up again, isn't it? When you, oh yeah. You yeah. Know? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm 53. Right. And so like, it's the kind of, you know, when I've been lucky enough to, as you mentioned, you know, to have books and some television stuff and records or whatever and concerts and that, you know, I think it would be really easy when you get to my age um, to just live in whatever is most comfortable, right? To put on mm -hmm. whatever whatever pants, whatever pair of pants fit the best, you know? And uh, and I think, whereas, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily so much as if at my age you can still find a new pair of pants <laughs> that fit, you should try them on. <laughs> I like it. Like it could be a, uh, you know, that could be the topic for your next book. Yeah. Just saying, Alan. Yeah. Um, but also, great that you've been doing this, but you are not going to stop. You roll over to Newfoundland, then you're going across the pond, you're doing yeah. a tour of the Rhine. Listen, yeah. I've done some of those, but I sure wish it was on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's they're great. I've, uh, yeah, so a lot of that stuff that's coming up right after Telltale Harbor is, is a holdover from a tour that I started in 2020. You know, I was I put out a record in 2020 and I was about to start a five leg tour uh, and I got one leg of it done and then the world shut down for two and a half years, you know. And so I managed to get a couple of the legs in. But uh, yeah, I so right after uh, Telltale Harbor ends in St. John's. We go to uh, Europe to, to do our European leg, part of which is the boat tour, but then we tour in Germany and Denmark and the Netherlands. And then I come home and I do a thing out in Western part of the United States and Canada called the, the CP Holiday Train, which is like a, a Christmas charity thing that we've been doing for a while. And then I have a break over Christmas. And then early in the new year, I do the last leg of the 2020 tour that was supposed to be in 2020 uh, in the Eastern part of the United States. So it starts in uh, New York and ends down in uh, Florida. Yeah, it's quite a, quite a schedule, but uh, you know, let me know if anyone falls off the wagon for that river tour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly like to do that. Ellen, how do you find the audiences? Um, you know, we know Newfoundland audiences love you and Newfoundlanders have populated a large portion of Canada our biggest uh, shipment out of this province is people and talent at times. But uh, how do the audiences respond to you down in the States? I saw some, you were doing things in Nashville and places yeah. like that. And how does yeah. that go? Oh, it's always been varied, you know, depending on how, what, what version of music I happened to be involved mm -hmm. in at the time, you know, certainly when, when, when Great Big Sea started touring around the United States and it was, you know, we didn't even have a drum kit, you know, it was like four guys across the front with an accordion and a whistle and a bow round and a guitar, you know, like singing shanties, you know, like, you know, um, it was in, it, it was funny. Sometimes we would go to a place like, you know, perhaps in the Appalachians or whatever, or, or the bluegrass parts of the United States. And that form of music, you know, that acoustic form of folk music is very common, right? Like they do that all the time, you know, in bluegrass worlds and what have you. And then, but of course, other parts, you know, you go to Chicago or something and, end up on a on a hip-hop bill and you have a <laughs> an accordion and a fiddle by your own trouble and uh uh but you know we did it you know and we and we we, we, uh, we slowly but surely built a fan base that sticks with me down there and and same it's true for germany and denmark and a few other places and yeah it's i'm you know i'm grateful 
Yeah, well, fabulous. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for hopping on here with me today. I know you're busy, but I know people will enjoy this moment with you and to learn about what you're doing. And hey, I'll be in the audience uh, cheering for you when you're in Grand Falls, Windsor. And like an autograph too, Ellen. I'm there. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on. Have a great day. Nice to talk you're to you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. See ya. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So please let us know what you thought of this episode and share your ideas for future guests or topics. You can email us at letsgetwriting at katherinetaylor.ca. Don't forget to subscribe and even leave a review. And if you love this episode, share it with a friend. Until next time, believe in yourself and let's get writing.